Welcome to Mock 10 Sports in this February 22nd, 2024. Appreciate you joining us here. For you first-timers here, I am your host, Dave Shoemate, host of Mock 10 Sports. We do our live show here on the SEC Unfiltered platform every Monday night, 8 Eastern, every Monday and Thursday night, I should say, excuse me, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, here to bring you everything SEC Football, basketball, baseball. Right now, we're really locked in. We got a lot of stuff to lock in today. We are three, really three weekends away from Selection Sunday, which is wild to say. Three weekends away from a Selection Sunday. And that's that's crazy to think about. Where we'll will we get eight, nine teams in from the SEC? It'll be um, it'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to keep up with. We had a great midweek matchup, and we got the crazy ending, the LSU Kentucky game from last night. Uh, Kentucky just totally the game. Everybody kind of was like, Hey, they need to be careful here. After coming off the emotional win against Auburn, they need to be careful. Going to if you go look at Bart Torvik, LSU in the top half of the league in this past month since February 1st through February 21st, been playing well. So we saw that Alabama, Florida looks like a battle of two teams that I would think would be in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. You would think if they get some things to go their way, overtime game could have win either way. We'll break it down, we'll preview this weekend slate. We got some good games on the hardwood as well. We talk can Kentucky bounce back because they got Alabama coming to town. That'll be the big game this weekend on the hardwood. Then I'm going to tell you one truth for every SEC football program heading into 2024 spring. Spring, hear me out, not season, spring. So I'm going to bring that up to you. We'll, of course, go around the SEC. We got a couple of things to hit. And then we're going to talk about a review quickly the baseball. Uh, midweek in the SEC so far. What, what's going on with Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Are, are they going to bounce back? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ugly right now. It's kind of ugly right now in both Startville and Startville and Oxford. We'll talk about it, and then we'll preview this upcoming weekend slate. you got Arkansas will be in Dallas in their Globe Life, the College Baseball Classic Tournament. you got Auburn down in Jacksonville facing Wichita State, Iowa, and we'll look to one more team. And then um got a couple other different schools somewhere uh, – across the country, but everybody's playing starting tomorrow, but let's get right to it. Let's go around the SEC, everybody. First, the five plus seven college football playoff format. Let's talk about it briefly. So exactly what it is. We all kind of saw this coming. They were talking about maybe a six plus six format, but it's five, seven. So the four highest ranked conference champions will get to the top four seeds in order in the bracket receive a first-round bot. Those teams may be ranked behind other at-large teams in the final selection committee rankings, but if a team, for example, the third highest-ranked conference champion, it will jump straight to number three. So they're doing it that way, and I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think you should get the top four teams in the country, whether that's two teams, three teams from the same league. I think that should be how it is. I don't think we should just guarantee the – automatic conference champs get that. But again, how many times does just some random team come out of nowhere and win the conference that you're really not expecting? it? That's well, Football is such a different sport than obviously basketball and baseball, just obviously rules sport itself. But the, I always tell my buddies, and if you listen to our show, like, the best team usually wins in football. There's upsets, don't get me wrong. You got USC, Stanford that everybody remembers. You got Matt, ULM, Alabama, and Nick Saban's for sure. But never a lot of just major big-time upsets. It's usually – the better, the better team wins eight, nine times out of ten in football. So I don't know how often we'll see that, but that's the way it is. I don't agree with that. Then after that, the fifth highest ranked conference champ is not guaranteed anything after that. And I like that. 
So if you're the fifth conference champ, you could be 12th, technically. You could be put in the 12th seed. So I like that. Kind of contradicting the other first one. Then the higher seeds are going to host first-round playoff games either at their home stadium or they're designated wherever they want. I mean, they could go play at Lambeau Field if Wisconsin's hosting one if they want. They wouldn't do that, but that's, that's on the table. And then after the first round, the six games that make up the quarterfinals and semifinals will be hosted at the traditional New Year's Six sites. So Rose, Sugar, Orange, Fiesta, Peach, and Cotton. It would be those six. And then Notre Dame, I know we're an SEC show, but just so in case you were wondering, Notre Dame, since it's not a conference member, will not be eligible for a top four seed. And they're aware of this. They helped put this together. Jack Swarbick, the athletic director for Notre Dame, was a part of this. So they're aware of that. So the highest seed they can get is number five. Let's just kind of break it down. Two things that stand out I don't like I mentioned, as you just heard me mention, I don't like the top, I don't like the automatic conference champions getting the bid. I think it should be the top four teams, whether that's two teams from the SEC, two teams from the Big Ten, three teams from the SEC, three teams from the Big Ten. They should just get in. The four, the, not get in. They should just seed them in order of the top 12. Uh, and then I don't like just the campus on-campus games just for the first game. I would, I would love to go full campus site until the championship and then go neutral. Call me crazy. That would be awesome. Be the NFL playoffs. Everybody's getting excited about, man, maybe Alabama 8-9 matchup goes to Penn State next year or vice versa or Ole Miss host Oregon. I've seen some people do stuff like that. Imagine if we got that through the entire 12-team playoff until the championship. I, who would be against that? I know the college towns wouldn't. I know the alums wouldn't. Can you imagine the revenue bringing into a town like Oxford, Mississippi, the months of December and January, if they hosted two or three of those, it, it would be through the roof. It, it, it would be unbelievable, actually. So just wanted to talk about that briefly. Uh, we'll have some thoughts on that. Again, I, I'm on the CFBpod.com channel at times, too. I think we may do a video on that here in a bit. So I'll post that on our link if you want to hear a little bit more on that. Again, uh, going around the SEC, Muhammad Wagi from Alabama suspended for the Kentucky game this upcoming weekend. Let's share it for you just so you can see exactly what I'm talking about and why he was eh, – I'm surprised they actually missed this. I'm surprised they actually missed this live. But here it is. I mean, there, there's really no defending this. NATO, I'm not going to pull up his statement, but came out and said they agreed. So he's going to be suspended for this game, this upcoming Saturday, for their 3 o'clock matchup against Kentucky on CBS. I mean, he's just been average. I mean, for the season, he's been average about 10 minutes. Now it's down to three. I mean, from a depth standpoint, yeah, this is this is a loss, but just for one game, and it's, and it's deserved. I'm actually surprised they didn't review it. This could have hurt Alabama if they went back and reviewed this. And it may, it's, it's a flake. It's definitely a technical two free throws, Florida ball. Crazy enough, they called Condon for the foul here. So, I mean, I would get why Todd Golden would be upset about that. That could have cost them the game technically. I'm surprised they did not. As much as they review in college basketball now, I don't know how they miss this in real time. Don't know how someone doesn't go review this. That's just the way college basketball officiating is these days. It's not good. People make, well, the SEC officials are bad. There's not conference officials, guys. Let's get that right. If we're going to critique them, let's at least get the process in the system right. These are just bad regional officials. And I see it across college basketball all the time. I'm watching college basketball every night. It's rough. It's rough. So just wanted to bring that up. Muhammad Wagi will be suspended for the Kentucky game uh, this upcoming Saturday for Alabama. Then if you saw Eli Gold, the longtime Alabama announcer of 30-plus years, play-by-play, voice of the Crimson Tide, did a phenomenal job. Kind of the voice of Alabama since I've been growing up. But here's the quote. Kind of seemed like a weird deal. Well, here's, here's a quote from Eli Gold. Quote, 
Well, the university has chosen not to bring me back, goldtoldal.com. This is not with a capital N-O-T, not at all health-related. I'm very healthy. Remember, he's coming off cancer. He didn't go to road games this year. Chris Stewart uh, filled in for him there. Everything is wonderful. I'm as healthy as a horse. I'm not retiring. The university has chosen, as they say, to go in a different direction, and that's certainly their right. This is one of those things I think that we struggle with as a society now is two things can be right at once or two things can be true at once. Eli Gold, tremendous part of Alabama's tradition, even going back to the 80s, especially for people like me who are 30, 30 or higher, always remember Eli Gold is the voice. I think it's kind of a sad situation, but I think it's the way to go because Chris Stewart is, was named the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's going to be on our show. I'm going to do a tape of video. We'll be posting that on SEC Unfiltered and Mock 10 Sports. So go subscribe, subscribe to both on Tuesday, talking about that transition. So I'm fired up about that. But I think it's I think it's good either way. I think Eli Gold did a great job, but it's time to go a different direction. If you're an Alabama fan, you love the passion of Chris Stewart. So I think uh, – I think it's 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 ran its course. It's time for Chris Stewart to take the reins as the voice of the Crimson Tide. But just wanted to bring that up. And then Kevin someone Johnny Manziel, a little drama here. So Manziel, in case you missed it, told on the Shannon Sharp show that his father, again, Johnny Manziel says, unbeknownst to him, told Kevin someone back between 2000. 13 and 14, told someone he'd make sure the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback, his son, Johnny Manziel, this is Johnny Manziel's dad talking, would stay through 2014 if he was paid $3 million. Someone apparently blew him off, according to Manziel. And then when Cliff Kingsbury, who had been with someone from their days at Houston, asked for a pay raise, someone also reported respondedly negatively. So Kingsbury took the head coaching job at Texas Tech. I don't know if I really believe this quote, uh, from Manziel, he had this ego about him that what we built was all him, Manziel said. Sounds like they're off to a little sour grapes. I mean, Manziel didn't like how I think someone told him to kind of get his act together when someone had a bunch of stuff going on with himself, not handling himself professionally. I worked with Kevin Sullivan his last year at Texas A&M, know him well, appreciate him giving me the opportunity. But that, Some of that stuff's true, but I don't know about the $3 million if he paid it, like if he offered him it. I mean, back then that was totally illegal. It was totally illegal. I mean, $3 million. I mean, think about it. Auburn got the biggest discount in the world, getting a Heisman Trophy winner and a national championship for two hundred and fifty grand with Cam Newton. But $3 million back in that day? And also, I mean, what do you think Kevin Sullivan was going to say? How was he going to pull that off? I mean, I know Johnny Manziel was probably worth it, but I bet Kevin Sullivan's like, what do you want me to do? My, I can't pay you $3 million back. Remember, this is transitioned in 2014. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago. That would have been unheard of. They may have put Kevin someone in jail. They knew he did that, and that actually went through in that time. And then Cliff Kingsbury, he got the head job at his alma mater at Texas Tech. He would have taken that if Kevin someone offered him a pay raise. Like Some of this raises some red flags. I love to hear Kevin someone, Cliff Kingsbury side of the story. Just wanted to bring it up. Thought it was interesting. Sounds like Johnny Manziel matured a little bit. This was, again, from the Shannon Sharp show uh, saying that his dad – that Johnny Manziel at the time didn't know was kind of shopping him around to Kevin Sullivan to come back for that 14 season for three million dollars. Yeah, woo! Ah, that, Kevin Sullivan would have been taken back back in that day. I'm telling you. And then Johnny Manziel saying, um, that Cliff Kingsbury would have came back, which I don't believe that he got offered a head coaching job. But some interesting takes there by Johnny Manziel. Just wanted to bring that up. But now that's it. That's it. Going around the SEC. I wanted to bring up one truth for every SEC team heading into 2024. 
that's that's kind of what I wanted to go over here. Let's bring it up. Now, like I said, there's few truths in life outside of death and taxes, but I'm here to tell you why that is wrong because every SEC team has one truth heading into spring practice for Alabama. Everyone better get ready to hear about the pick and prying every piece of the Alabama offense this spring. Imagine the first open practice in Tuscaloosa in the spring and a day if the offense isn't clicking. You're going to hear Nick Sheridan, too young to be calling it. Jalen Milrow doesn't fit the system. Ryan Grubb, the big loss. Scott Huff, massive loss. Watch all that stuff could be true. First A day, first scrim, open scrimmage when the Red Elephant Club members are there, or A day when it's televised and everybody's nitpicking. People are going to be like, ah, I don't know. They lost Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff. I don't know. So that's that's going to be a truth for Alabama. For Arkansas, going to Fable, Bobby Petrino is going to turn this offense around. That's going to be a truth come spring. There are enough weapons on this Razorback offense for Bobby Petrino to cook up something. It wasn't visible in public last year. Jimbo Fisher didn't really give Bobby Petrino a short lease. Jimbo Fisher interfered a lot, just like a lot of people expected. I mean, I thought he maybe would – Bobby Petrino more of an old soul coach, coach just like Jimbo Fisher. I thought he'd give him a little bit more leeway, but they did not see eye to eye. That won't be the case this year. Outside of the quarterback battle between Taylor Green and Jacoby Criswell, the ceiling of this offense over Bobby Petrino – is going to be a topic of conversation. So everybody's going to be turning towards, hey, I think Bobby Petrino can turn this around. We're going back to 2010, 2011, baby. That's what everybody's going to be thinking. He's going to coach up Taylor Green, Jacoby Crystal. One of them are going to hit. People are fired up about this Razorback offense, and I think that is going to be a truth heading into the spring. For Auburn, the truth is they're riding with Peyton Thorne, so that means someone on the outside of the wide receiver is going to have to step up. And traditionally, we all know, Auburn doesn't really produce a lot of big-time receivers. Who's the best Auburn receiver of all time? I mean, tell me, is it Sammy Coates? Ben Obamanu, maybe Duke Williams at the highest ceiling. I don't know. But they have guys back like Jay Fair, Caleb Burton, who was injured some last year. They need to step up their share if Auburn and Hugh Freeze want to have a better second season on the Plains. Add in, they signed their number one guys, Cam Coleman from Central Phoenix City, who should help. But if Peyton Thorne is your guy, you have to have some winnable plus guys around him. When I say winnable plus guys, I'm using an example like, I mean, Winnable plus would be if you were familiar with like Georgia's roster back today, like a Malcolm Mitchell, um, a Jermaine Burton, uh, guys like that. Not rare, like Julio Jones or Amari Cooper, but guys that are all SEC guys. They need some of those guys to step up. Auburn hadn't traditionally had that, but if you're riding with Peyton Thorne, there's a ceiling. And when I said Auburn's riding with him and from talking to people in that building, they're, they're safe to do that. They want to do that. They like him. They like him. He's first one in the building, outside, out the door. I don't, I don't really – I don't – subscribe to him being – I think you immediately don't give your chance to compete for an SEC title once you name Peyton Thorne that quarterback. I just don't think you could. But if you're going to go with that, you're going to have some guys step up. Maybe that's Jay Fair. Maybe that's Caleb Burton. Maybe it's Cam Coleman. But it is what it is. So that is Auburn's truth heading into the spring. If Peyton Thorne's your guy, you need some guys stepping up for you on the outside. For Florida in Gainesville, will there be buy-in in Billy Napier's – Big year here. Will there be buyer buy-in? He says he's going to call it offensively. There's a new coach, strength coach coming in after Coach Fitzgerald left to go to Boston College with his buddy Bill O'Brien. New DC coming over from Auburn. How is Ron Roberts and Austin Armstrong going to coexist? Go in a new special teams guy from the Patriots, Joe Houston. A lot of new faces. A lot of new faces in a big year. A must-have year for Billy Napier. We all know about the schedule. 
will there be buy-in or will they be already checking out? I don't, I, I don't know, but that's going to be the narrative. That is the truth around the Florida program going ahead. More of a question than a tr- both. I think it's a combination of a truth and question. Will there be buy-in? That's what everybody's going to be discussing. So that's the truth in Gainesville. Then the truth in Athens going to the Georgia Bulldogs. The truth is the run defense. You best believe Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, uh, Tavarius Robinson, even Will Muschamp in his analyst role now, they're going to be focused on trying to get that defense close to 21-22 run defense. The run defense. The interior of the run defense is the reason I think Alabama ultimately beat Georgia last year. Remember, Georgia had could have got a stop, but Alabama went to the run game with Jalen Milrow and ran it out, ran out the clock. Worst run defense to, since 2017 for Georgia, but they have guys back like Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, Michael Williams. They're all back, should be better, should be more matured, bodies are better. Then add in the linebacker position, Demond Wilson, C.J. Allen, Small Munden. Front seven should be there. It should be improved, but that's the truth for Georgia heading into the spring. If they want to get back to winning the national championship, it starts with getting that run defense back to the 21-22 standard. That's the truth in Athens this spring. Kentucky. Truth is, either Brock Vandergriff or the Big Blue Wall is going to have to improve. They just hired Bush Hamden from Boise State, and it seems that consistent quarterback has been holding this offense back. That or the inconsistent of the Big Blue Wall, the offensive line the last two years. They've always been solid on defense. They have some weapons with Barry and Brown, Dane Key, Tavian Robinson on the outside. Offensive line, like I said, been iffy the last two years. But finding that true guy at the quarterback position has been the main issue. So something's got to give. Either Brock Vandergriff has to be that dude, or the big blue walls to step up, give him time, and don't let him get hit all as much as the last two guys, Will Levis, um, as much as Will Levis did. I, I mean, obviously, Will Levis had upside as well, just couldn't get protected. And then LSU, I mean, if you watched our show at all, you have heard me talk about LSU. And the truth is the interior defensive line is going to be a major issue. I can't get over that. I don't think they can compete in the SEC championship until that, I'm, once I get off this show, I'm going to do a bold prediction show for LSU. That's going to be my bold prediction. They will not compete for the SEC this year and will lose three games because of the interior of the defensive line. Deck. They lost their three best guys, Makai Wingo, Mason Smith, and Jordan Jefferson. Mason Smith, it's another conversation for another day on why I left. But you only have scholarship-wise heading into the spring, Jacoby and Guillory and Jalen Lee, who've been in the program for a while. So if they haven't stepped up now, why, why would they just randomly nab? Yeah, they didn't set up already. Why would they now, I should say? This is just a personnel thing. I think Blake Baker, Bo Davis are phenomenal hires. I think they upgraded the defensive staff, but the personnel in there, and that's it's the truth of the matter. The interior defensive line is an issue in the spring. I don't think you can fix it through a transfer portal window, and it could be a big reason why LSU truly doesn't compete for the SEC this year. So that's the truth in Baton Rouge. Truth in Starville, Mississippi for Mississippi State. State is going to be more explosive than they have been in a while. Maybe I should say more so they're going to be looking for more shot plays. This offense under Jeff Levy is going to be looking for the big shot play and they're going to play much more vertically than Mississippi State's used to. Everybody always had this misconception about Mike Leach's system. It's more of the short, safe throws. Hey, let's just drive the field, be patient, take what the defense has given us, be, be conservative. That's the opposite of Levy. And Mississippi State's AD brought it up. I think they know they're not going to be great wins and loss-wise this year. I mean, I think the last four four 
new head coaches from Mississippi State in their first year. Only one of them had a winning record, and that was Joe Moorhead. Not even Dan Mullen, who's probably Mississippi State's best coach of all time. So I'm not necessarily looking for a bowl game for Jeff Levy and them this year, but it needs to be an exciting product. I expect to see that. That is going to be the truth from the spring is people are going to be, man, a lot more shots taken down the field this year. They're looking to have some explosive plays, which means exciting product to watch because I don't know if the wins are going to be there. So they'll start working on that in the spring, and that's just the truth in Starkville. The truth in Oxford, the big rival for the Bulldogs, for Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and the boys. This is the deepest team. This team, this is the deepest Lane Kiffin team. That This is the deepest team Lane Kiffin has had since he's been in Oxford. Across the board on offense and defense. Now, they have to hone that in and take advantage of it because Ole Miss is a talented group. They have a favorable schedule for being in the SEC. This is the deepest and most talented team they've had. It's just the truth. They need to start incorporating some more scheme stuff. It'll be Pete going the second year. Lane does his stuff, him and Charlie Weiss on offense. Again, comfortability, what Pete can install in the spring with a bunch of guys that have played a lot of football. Maybe not that system. With like guys like Princely Yuma Milan from Florida. You got some young guys, you got some guys that are new to the system, but have played a lot of college football. So I think that's where they'll be in from that standpoint. So that is the truth in Oxford. Is this is Lane Kiffin's deepest team across the board? How can they can how can they develop throughout the spring? Because it's not really adding the roster. I don't think they go add a bunch of people in the spring. So them installing, what do they feel comfortable throwing at a lot of these older guys who transferred in from Missouri? Target's officially on your back. The target is officially on this team's back. How does Eli Drinkwitz and the boys handle that? That starts this spring, and they have to handle that for six months. It starts this spring. It's the hard truth. No one on this Missouri team has ever been a part of a successful team back-to-back years. No one on that Missouri. People forget. I, I like Eli Drinkwitz. A little goofy. We call it what it is on this show. But that was his first winning season. In 2020, they were 5-5, five and 21-6-7, five, and 22-6-7 and seven in a Awesome best season in Missouri history, 11 and 2 last year. Can they go do it back to back years? That, that, that's the big question mark. Can they go do it back to back years? That's the question mark. I think that is the big question for Missouri. I, that's the truth of the matter. How does this team handle that success rolling into – are they high-fiving everybody on campus, all the co-eds looking at them? Guys, y'all, y'all went 11-2 and two last year. That doesn't matter now. It, it just doesn't. Eli Drickwitz's biggest task is going to be how does this team handle it? How do they handle getting better? They have all the weapons coming back on offense. They have enough. I like that they have Kirby Moore coming back. I like the quarterback, Brady Cook. I like the weapons on the outside, Luther Burden, Theo Weiss. Mookie Cooper, defense, you lose Blake Baker, Tyno Hopper, Darius Robinson, guys like that. But, again, how they prepare is going to be key. And I, Chicken 111515, I see you, baby. Boomer Sooner, welcome to the league. I hope you keep joining in every Monday and Thursday for the show. But continuing, speaking of the Sooners here, baby, in alphabetical order, the one truth for every SEC team heading into 2024 for Oklahoma, they have to start building that depth to go through an SEC schedule starting this spring. I like the Sooner defense in the third year for Brent Venables heading into 2024. I like Ethan's downs, Danny Stussman, Billy Bowman, Woody Washington. The depth has to be developed, though. The schedule isn't easy with the dates, though. Tennessee, at Auburn, Texas, at Ole Miss, Alabama, at LSU. Tough schedule, tough opening schedule in 2024, opening up the league. So you got to start building that depth. Even if some guys mess up in the spring and bust, you're going to need them down the stretch. You're going to need them at Ole Miss late in the year. You're going to need them at home at Memorial Stadium at Alabama. You're going to need them at LSU Thanksgiving weekend. This isn't 
we get at Texas Tech, oh, then we get um, Kansas coming up. Then we go at K-State. These teams are deeper. Remember, it's all about your top 40 on your roster, not your top 22 starting. That's what Oklahoma and Brent Venables got to learn. And Brent Venables has been at Clemson. He understands depth. So I anticipate that being something he'll be all right with. There we go, Chicken. He's talking. We're finally getting to a two, three deep. Yeah, that's what they're going to need to roll through the schedule. And I'm not saying, oh, man, it's a, it's the AFC East every week. Yeah, I mean, you guys are some teams that aren't going to live up to the standard or their expectations and stuff like that. But it's just, again, the SEC, this league, more so than the Big 12, from working on in both leagues now, the top 40, the top 40 in this league, more so than the top 22, then you're just initial starters. So that'll be key for the Sooners. For South Carolina, Shane Beamer rolling into his fourth year. It all comes down to the quarterback, baby. Lenora Sellers is going to have to be the leader heading into the 2024 campaign. Now, that could be a great thing. That we, uh, they, From everybody I've talked to, they, they're all in on Lenora Sellers. It's a big year for Shane Beamer in this Gamecock program. And inevitably, it's called spade a spade here, guys. We don't sugarcoat things. This is what it is. The success of Lenora Sellers is probably going to determine – the ultimate outcome for Shane Beamer and the upside in his program, right? his long-term stability in this program. It's going to come down to Lenore Sellers. He's a redshirt freshman. They like him. Where's the specs? I'm sure he's going to get some help from that. But I, I like his film. I like him out of high school. Can throw to all three different levels. Can layer it. I like Lenore Sellers. But how this is this year, how he performs this year is going to – kind of take the trajectory of the Shane Beamer era, in my opinion. So that starts this spring. So they got to start molding him to be the leader, be the face of the program of the Shane Beamer era, if you want to, we want to be honest. And that starts in Knoxville, too, for Tennessee, the one truth heading into the 2024 spring. Tennessee's going to go as far as Nico Amalavea takes them. Now, this really has nothing to do with Nico. I mean, he had a great first, first start against Iowa, had a great, what, Citrus Bowl win. It's just the way this Josh Heupel system rolls. I mean, how consistent that quarterback will determine how good they're going to be. We saw it with Hinton Hooker in 22, 11-2, just missed the playoffs. Last year, Joe Milton, Mr. Inconsistent. Tennessee was inconsistent, 8-4, and four, lost a game at four. They probably had no business being. And I think for Tennessee to ultimately make the playoffs, be a true national title contender, which I think they could be, their defense is going to have to step up. They're there to really improve. But the season as a whole, whether they win – 9, 10, 11 games going to come down to the consistency of Nico. We saw him do it one game against a good Iowa defense, but the athletes on a week-to-week -week basis are going to be different in the league. So I think the 2024 truth going into uh, the spring for Tennessee here in a few weeks is going to be, can Nico be consistent in his first year against a high-level competition? I think that's the truth. And then Texas, it's playoff or bust. Sark and then better accept that. Sark just doubled his salary. He better accept that. I, I did a little – on Monday show, talked about how they may be of, and I like Sark. I think he's going to have Texas in the playoffs consistently. They may uh, give him that contract a little too early, but perception is the only thing I can think about when heading into the 2024 spring for the Longhorns. They inevitably have to get back to the playoffs, and that's what the expectation is going to be. The initial schedule, really not that difficult. I mean, you get teams coming off losing records of Arkansas, Vandy, Mississippi State, and Florida. How much improve will those two teams? will probably help determine how difficult this Texas schedule is in the first year in the SEC. Then throw in Georgia, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and at A&M. It's very manageable. I think they gave Oklahoma a tougher schedule than Texas, but the expectations are higher than they've ever been, probably since going to that 2010 season, probably with Garrett Gilbert, after he played well in backup role after Colt McCoy got hurt in the national title game against Alabama. How Sark manages that 
will be key this spring. It just is what it is. It's playoff or bust. They better accept it in Austin. Sark better accept it. They just gave you the $10 million or the double your salary from $5 million to $10 million off one playoff performance. It's playoff or bust now for Texas, and that's just a matter of fact. That's the truth in Austin. For Texas A&M, there's enough talent on this roster to go win. Go maybe win nine, ten games, sneak into the playoff as an 11th, 12th spot. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I posted, I thought eight and four and Elko showing some discipline, no pre-snap penalties, looking like they have a game plan week to week. They're not struggling on the road. They're beating teams they should be. I thought that would be improvement. But no, Aggie fans told me on social media, it's a nine win plus or bust. It's what it is. They expect that. And then add on ESPN's Bill Connolly releases returning production rankings, and Texas A&M comes in at 18th nationally and first overall in returning production on rosters. So, I mean, first over in the SEC, 18th nationally. They brought in some portal kids. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see, honestly, as time goes, why with a nine-win season. Then A&M fans are looking like, hey, Elko did more with less at Duke. Why can't he do it at A&M? So I don't think it's really a rebuild for AM fans. They they think nine plus wins should be what they should be doing. So so Mike Elko, the truth of the matter heading into the spring is there's enough talent there. There's enough talent there, and plus what you're adding to go compete in the SEC this year. And then Vanderbilt, job only gets harder every year. That's just a fact. I think Clark Lee's the perfect guy for the job. All my monitor played there, but there's some advantages for Vanderbilt now, but also it's only a bigger gap for the have and have nots in Vanderbilt, unfortunately, is in that have not. It's just the reality of it. I said we don't sugarcoat things around here. Just is what it is. I couldn't really think of anything else for Vanderbilt, so I went with that. But I just wanted to go over all 16 truths for all 16 teams heading into the 2024 spring. It's here, guys. We'll be talking some spring football, spring transfer portal window from April 1st through April 31st, or April 15th through April 31st. But again, just wanted to go over the 16 truths around the SEC. But moving along, uh, we said we would go – we're going to go to the basketball review now. Let's pull up the schedule for you. Yeah, I agree with you, Chicken. It's not about Texas's talent. It's about team culture and the expectations now and how they're going to handle that. But let's go share the screen. We're moving to basketball now. Again, appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mott 10 Sports on the SEC Unfiltered platform. Just in case you have it, go like, subscribe. uh, Go give us the like, subscribe, rate, review on the SEC Unfiltered platform on YouTube, on everywhere you get your podcast. Same with Mott 10 Sports. Give me the follow at Mike 10 Sports. Again, I'm your host, Dave Shoemate. Worked in college football in the SEC for nine or ten years. We cover all things SEC football, basketball, and baseball. Um, I, I hope you're enjoying the show tonight. Please send your questions in. But let's go review the week that was in the SEC briefly. I know people don't like reviews, but we're just going to touch on it just a little bit. Starting with Tuesday's action, uh, Arkansas was one of the bigger upsets of the week. Getting the 78-71 win over Texas A&M, it just – Arkansas actually played well this past week. They could have easily won the game against Mississippi State. Makai Mitchell played well in start bowl this past Saturday. And they just kind of looked like they wanted it more in Texas A&M. Texas A&M is getting themselves in trouble now. They're getting themselves in trouble. They could cost themselves an NCAA tournament or NCAA tournament bid. They, they really couldn't. They go to Tennessee this weekend. It's not good for Buzz Williams and the boys. They are fading. Arkansas just kind of beat them in blue collar points, I guess you would say, from an Alabama basketball standpoint. Arkansas, you just go back and watch that game. They wanted it more. A&M didn't necessarily play bad, but Arkansas looked like a team that kind of had a chip on their shoulder. They ended up sweeping A&M this year. But go over that. T- Tennessee get the 72-67 win over 
Missouri very sleepy. I mean, this game was close kind of till under the 10-minute mark in the second half till Dalton Connect started taking over. Missouri, not a good team. I talk about it. I don't know where their offense comes, especially when Sean East is out. But, again, it's like their 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th guys off the bench from last year. If you listen to the show all the time, you hear me say that all the time. Tennessee just looked like they kind of slept all through that. I don't hold that against them. Again, I think they're the best team in a series on a neutral floor, Tennessee, in the SEC. I just think it's one of those nights. They just didn't really bring it. The energy wasn't there. And in any place in the SEC this year, if you don't bring the energy against a team that has nothing to lose, like a winless Missouri, you expels trouble. I think this is kind of just burn the tape a little bit. And then Wednesday night's at you. We, we had three pretty good games here. We got – Alabama getting the 98-93 overtime win against Florida. Alabama was out with without Latrell Wright sell uh, due to a head injury. Riley Kugel did not play much for Florida either. Looked a little under the weather, but man, both these two teams just scream to me second weekend teams in the NCAA tournament right now. I mean, you go look at Bart Torvik. You go look at his statistics right now from February 1st to February 21st from yesterday. Florida and Alabama are top four teams the way they're playing right now. They are. They are. It was a fun game. Florida easily could have won this game. They were up basically 30 minutes. I thought Grant Nelson for Alabama played his best game of the season. Mark Sears kind of got going late, uh, made a big play defensively. When Alabama was up one, just ripped it. That, that, that was a play that guys like Kobe Bryant, not saying he's Kobe Bryant, but guys that those are NCAA tournament winning type plays. If, if you want to go back and rewatch the game, it's probably about under five minutes left. The big play by Mark Sears. Alabama didn't shoot it well. They really didn't. About 24%. Still, it's kind of puts to rest. Alabama lives and dies by the three. No, they didn't shoot well from the three at all. They were only down by four. I think they made two threes in the first half, and they were only down four. Uh, they shot 25% for the game and ended up winning. Scored 98 points, I know, in overtime. But Florida, impressed with them. These two teams will lock up in two more weeks in Gainesville. It's going to be a tough one, but two very good offensive teams. They could get some more stops defensively. I would maybe like them both as potential Final Four teams. I still do, but matchups so have to be there, but a fun game. Georgia 76, Vanderbilt 64. Not really much to go off of here. Georgia, I was a little scared for Georgia here. It was a one-point line, but Georgia controlled most of this. Vanderbilt went on a little run. Yeah, I mean, how about Jerry Stackhouse just kind of saying, comparing himself to Jesus a little bit in the post game, saying Jesus had 12 disciples and some people supporting him. I forget the whole quote. I'm not going to bring it up. It's about a minute and a half long. If you want to go check it out, I retweeted it. But uh, Georgia just getting a win they had to have here, They're losing a lot of close games. But again, not really much from here. I think this is kind of the beginning of the end here for Jerry Stackhouse. Kentucky dropping one after getting a big win at Auburn. LSU getting a 75-74 win uh, against LSU. I mean, I'm going to the box score here. I mean, you had at the end there, I mean, you had Dillingham hitting the big shot there. and Really nothing you could do. Jordan Wright went in for a layup, got it blocked, caught it himself, tipped it back out for Tyrell Ward to hit a game-winner tip in. I mean – I think everybody kind of circled this one. Is Kentucky better be – both these teams were coming off big wins, though. Kentucky, obviously, at Auburn. LSU at South Carolina. LSU, guys, they could, they could close out strong here. Let me, let, me go to the, let me go to the schedule here for LSU here. Just kind of want to talk about this briefly. Here's the schedule. I don't think they'll get into the tournament because I think you got to have a top 70 Ken Palm to get in is normally where you are net ranking, I should say. I don't know if they're they're not going to get close to that, I don't think. But Mississippi State at home winnable. Georgia at home winnable. At Vanderbilt should be a win. At Arkansas should be a win. Then Missouri. I mean, who's to say they don't win out? Get to 
get to 11 and seven in the league. That, that would be interesting. But again, I thought this was a well-played game. Kentucky doesn't really have anything to hold their head on. It's just defense in there consistently. Yeah. You just really worry about just Kentucky's consistency is what kills me to be able to get to the second round, but tough loss for Kentucky, not a killer. They got Alabama coming to Rupp on Saturday afternoon. So you got to wake up there. And then Mississippi state getting revenge on their in-state rival or 83, 71 over Ole Miss. Joe Lenardi said Ole Miss is in the first four out. Now they had to win that. Ole Miss, I think, has got to get one of these next two to feel good. They got, they get them both at home, South Carolina at home on Saturday night. And then Alabama on Wednesday night. Both will be tough, but I think they need to get one. Ole Miss is slowly backing their way out of here. Them and AM going the wrong way. LSU going the right way, trending the right way. But again, Mississippi State got off to a rough start there a little bit, but kind of turned it on. Big finish in the second half, big start to the second half. I mean, Ole Miss shot 40% from the field, 31% from three. Mississippi State 50% from the field, 42% from three. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, this is going to be a tough game for for Ole Miss. That was the most pissed off I'd seen Chris Beard. He was not fired up about the fouls. I mean, I will say, crazy to think about here, crazy to think about um, that Tolu Smith and Jimmy Bell both didn't have a foul. Two of their big guys. Getting foul trouble at the time didn't. So Chris Beard, you can tell he's frustrated in his post-game press conference. So understand where he was coming from from that perspective. Just wanted to go over this midweek action here. A lot of great games, especially the three games on Wednesday night. The Florida-Alabama winning overtime, obviously. The Kentucky-LSU win coming down at the end. And obviously Ole Miss-Mississippi State. Standings heading into the weekend. Alabama in sole place in the SEC at 11-2. and two. Tennessee in second place, 10 and 3. Kind of looking ahead to that showdown next Saturday. Tennessee will go to Alabama here in ESPN College Game Day. The, Al- the college basketball show will be there. You got South Carolina and Auburn knotted up at 9 and 4. Florida, 8 and 5, knotted up with Kentucky. Mississippi State, 7 and 6. Ole Miss, 6 and 7, tied with Texas AM and LSU. Georgia, 5 and 8. Arkansas, 4 and 9. Vanderbilt, 2 and 11. Missouri, 0 oh and 13, sit there winless. Again, some big matchups this week. Tennessee's kind of got some games coming up they should be able to handle before the Alabama one. I mean, again, they got AM at home they should be able to handle. And then they go, they get Auburn midweek before they go to Alabama. So these are three. These next after AM, it gets a little bit tougher for Tennessee. So they got to win this one at AM at home. I think they will. Then Alabama, just looking at the two potential leaders. I think it's a two-team race right now between Alabama and Tennessee for the league. I think Alabama right now. Go at Kentucky, at Ole Miss. I mean, they get the five straight against the CAA tournament team if you go back to their AM. So one, two, three, four, five. I mean, even, yeah, I mean, getting Florida twice this year is a tough break. But they could win one of these next two road games at Ole, at Kentucky or at Ole Miss, hold serve at home, beat Tennessee at home, beat Arkansas. I think it worse Alabama ties Tennessee for the league crown. And then you're forcing Tennessee to win out, not lose to either Auburn at home, which I don't think they will with Jalen Williams probably most likely being out. Kentucky, or at South Carolina. Tennessee could definitely win all those, but if Alabama goes 14-4, and gets one of those road games at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, or at Florida, they hold serve at home, giving Tennessee another loss, because that game's in Tuscaloosa, like I mentioned, hold and serve. Alabama would be 14-4. and I think it worst case for Alabama, if they beat Tennessee at home and go 14-4, they're sharing a title with Tennessee, and that means both those teams would split Ugh, man, I, if Alabama can get one of those last three road 
games. That 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 would be massive for them there. So I think it's going to come down to those two teams there. And then the battle for those last four spots is going to come down to South Carolina, Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky, in my opinion. I think that's who it's going to come down to. Uh, if you made me pick now, I'm probably going to go Florida. I said Kentucky on Monday show, but I'm going to go Auburn. I think Auburn will hold their ground there. I think I think it'll be Florida three, Auburn four. I think Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn. Um, so I think that will be good. Anybody, any other chats? No. But just going down the standings, that's where we stand heading to Saturday's matchups. Let's preview Saturday's matchups, though. So we're getting into it. Uh, so first of all, we get the 11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip. Missouri at Arkansas. Wow, one of the these two teams will both be most likely in the uh, sad Wednesday matchup. Well, let's make sure. What, what is Arkansas? How many play games out of a four nine? Yeah, their schedule coming up. I'd be shocked. They'll be in one of the, the that sad Wednesday mat, night slate. I would think. But right now, Ken Palm has this as a sixty eight percent Arkansas uh, winning percentage, and I would agree. I think Arkansas is going to get it done. I don't know if Missouri's going to get. A win this year. Maybe they build off some of the positive momentum that they built up um, from playing well against Tennessee at home. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go Arkansas at home, though. Then we got a noon Central Standard Time Zone tip. Vanderbilt at Florida. Right now, Kim Palm has this as Florida with a 95% chance of winning. I would agree here. This one's on the SEC Network. Florida wins this one easily. Then 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip. South Carolina at Ole Miss. This is one of the bigger ones of the day here. SEC Network. Both teams need this, especially Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss needs one of their next two. They get them both at home, like I mentioned. South Carolina and Alabama, both at home. They need one of those two. South Carolina kind of needs to get off those losing ways. You mentioned, I mentioned Bart Torbick from February 1st to February 21st. LSU improving. Alabama and Florida improving. South Carolina dropping down. South Carolina dropping down. It's a big one. Uh, Right now, according to Kim Palm, we got – Ole Miss with a 57% chance winning. So he thinks it's going to be close. Uh, give me South Carolina at home. I don't like the way the Rebs are uh, – South Carolina at Ole Miss. I don't uh, – South Carolina with the win at Ole Miss. Excuse me. I don't really like the way Ole Miss is playing right now. A little disinterest, not playing defense at all the time. Or I should say disinterested team. They look a little fatigued. They look a little fatigued. I like Lamont Paris and the boys getting the win. Give me Lamont. I'm going to disagree with Kim Palm here. And then – this is the big one here, too. If Alabama were to go win it, Rupp, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip on CBS, you'd feel really good about Alabama winning the SEC. Uh, but Alabama, according to Kim Palm, with a 57% chance of winning this game, same as Ole Miss, South Carolina. I like Kentucky, though. I, I, I don't know why, but I'm going to pick Kentucky. They're an explosive team, too. This could be like an NBA All-Star game watching these two teams going at it, this high-score affair. I would love to see what the over-under of this game was. I think for the Florida game, it was 174 was the over-under for Alabama. Uh, Florida, obviously, they cleared it with the overtime, the five extra minutes. Yeah, I'm going to take Kentucky. I think they have to have it more. Uh, will Latrell right sell be back for Alabama? Looked like he had a concussion. Uh, obviously, Muhammad Wagee with his suspension with his forearm to uh, Alex Condon. He's suspended for the Kentucky game. Kentucky definitely needs this more. If Alabama wins this one, though, I'm telling you, you better be on lookout. And that – Bama may be sealing up the SEC championship race by the end of the next week if they did that, if they were to beat Tennessee at home. But give me Kentucky. I'm going to go Kentucky. Then Auburn, their first game in action without Jalen Williams, first since their Kentucky loss, 5 p.m. Central Standard time zone 
at Georgia at Stegman on the SEC Network. Auburn with according to Kim Palm with a 77% chance of winning. Mike White, even go back to his Florida days. Excuse me, let me get some water. He's giving Bruce Pearl and the boys some trouble. Mike White, even go back to his Florida days, is giving Bruce Pearl and the boys some trouble. But I think Auburn, a refreshed team. Bruce Pearl mentioned it was good the coaches got away from the players. I don't think they were going at it, but I think it was just a good separation with their bye week. Give me Auburn at home, getting the bounce back again. Kim Palm giving Auburn a 77% chance winning. I think this is a close game, though. Hear me out. I think this is a close game. And then 7 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, getting these night tips. Texas A&M at Tennessee on ESPN. Tennessee needs this. Kim Palm giving them an 84% chance of winning it. Texas A&M would need it. They're starting to collect some losses. Let's look at a, let's look at A&M's schedule and how they end the year here. I was looking at it earlier, but I wanted to bring it up. So they get Tennessee at no, sorry, to at Tennessee, South Carolina at home, at Georgia, Old Mississippi State at home, at Ole Miss. There's no gimmies there, man. There's no gimmies. I mean, there's really not. They, I don't know. Buzz Williams and the boys could find themselves on the wrong side of this bubble. They really could here because you're going to the standings, looking at A and M. They're sitting there at what six and seven, fifteen and eleven overall. I think they need to get to 10 wins to feel good. 10 and 8. They need to get to 10 and 8. And they're at 6 right now. Mm. Mm. I don't know. They're not going to beat Tennessee. I think South Carolina is a better club than right now, but it's at home. I see them probably getting two more wins. That at Ole Miss game to end the year, Saturday, March 9th, that could be a massive game for both games. Circle that one on your calendar, guys. Guys, for USCC hardcore hooping, that could be an under the radar with a lot of with a significant, meaningful impact game in the year there from a bubble standpoint. Those two teams have been trending down since the start of February, so that'll be interesting there. This one, give me Tennessee again. I give I I agree with Kim Palm. I've gone against Kim Palm twice for this upcoming week, but Tennessee eighty four percent chance. That sounds about right. I may even move that up. And then finally, seven thirty p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip: Mississippi State at LSU on the SEC Network. Uh, Kim Palm giving Mississippi State a 55% chance of winning this game. Mississippi State needs this one. LSU's been playing really well since February. I'm going to take LSU here. I think they keep playing well here. Give me LSU. So that's three games. I like them at home. If this was in Startville, I would take Mississippi State. Mississippi State just plays so – the stretches are so up and down. They'll play well, miss a bunch of free throws. I mean, they got off to a rough start against Ole Miss to start the game, ended the half poorly, came out strong. They're all over the place, and that was at home. At the PMAC, I know LSU's due to not play well coming off two big wins at South Carolina and Kentucky at home. But I think this one has more to do with Mississippi State not playing well on the road. I don't trust them. Maybe they get to the free throw line a lot, but they don't convert. Give me LSU at home. I'm going to go against Kim Palm here and his 55% chance of Mississippi State. So that's three. I'm going against Kim Palm. I'm going to take Arkansas. I agree with him there. I'm going to take Florida easily. Probably the easiest one to pick all, all Saturday. I'm going to go with South Carolina at home. I know Kim Palm's giving Ole Miss a fifth, or South Carolina at the pavilion at Ole Miss, I should say. Kim Palm giving Ole Miss a 57% chance win. I'm going to go with South Carolina. And then I'm going to go against his other 50% chance win percentage. They, he likes Alabama right now. I'm going to go with Kentucky at home. I think they're more desperate. They need it at home. They still score a lot. They have true NBA scores. Dillingham, Shepard, Wagner, guys like that. Will Trey Mitchell play. Alabama could be without Latrell Wright. So, again, who knows? I would expect him to play. It's just a concussion. And then Muhammad Wagi, a depth guy, only playing really three minutes now. But, again, foul trouble. Alabama's not great in the front court. 
uh, struggle to defend without Fallon. Eh, Kentucky needs it. I think they get it. Wouldn't be shocked at Alabama wins. And I'm going to go against Kim Palm here as well. Auburn at Georgia, I agree with him. I like Auburn. First game without Jalen Williams. Close game, though. Mike White gives Bruce Pearl troubles, even going back to his Florida days. I think it's a close game, but Auburn gets it done. I think Tennessee gets it done at home against A&M. Then I'm going to go against the grain here, Kim Palm as well. He likes Mississippi State, 55% chance getting the win at LSU. LSU's due to come back to earth a little bit, but against it, it's at home. It's more Mississippi State I don't trust on the road. Give me LSU. So I'm going to disagree with Kim Palm for three of those games there. But we got – we got some pretty good action coming up in the SEC for this um, upcoming weekend. And then briefly, before we get you out of here, just wanted to preview some SEC baseball coming up. Talk a little bit about what is wrong with the Ole Miss Rebels. Like, what is going on here with Ole Miss, Mississippi State? Ole Miss losing to Arkansas State in the midweek. They're two and three. Mississippi State getting swept by Austin P. Not losing games three to two, and then losing games. But 13 to 8, it's just – it's one of the other for one of those teams. How do we get that going? I'm uh, not going to go back and review all the midweek action for you. I mean, we'll pull, we'll pull it up just to – we're getting out of here a little earlier today. So, we'll pull that up, the schedule. LSU get earlier getting a 10-2 win. They're rotating games between Northern Illinois and uh, – who is it? They got the – let me pull up the schedule here. I was looking at it earlier. It is – in Stony Brook, they're going to go back and forth with them. But LSU getting the early – starting their weekend this week. They got the 10-3 win. Then Missouri's out in California playing Bakersfield tonight. But from Tuesday's action, everybody in the SEC pretty much won, like I mentioned, except yeah, Mississippi State struggling and Ole Miss are the big name to fame there. Everybody else kind of handled business. That's Tuesday's action there. Not going to read it all out for you, but in case you want to see it. Again, Arkansas State taking it 4-2. Miss, Ole Miss played the last two games on the islands. Played terrible. Played absolutely terrible. Alabama not giving them any runs, but they've lost, but they've lost Riley Quick, their Saturday pitcher for the year already, Tommy John, so he's out. Um, and then getting to Friday slate, got some teams mixing it up. Washington State, Kentucky. Kentucky's out in the Round Rock tournament, so I think they have a three-game set. Let's look at it with Washington State starting tomorrow. Then they play Texas State and at Kansas. So that's a good slate for them. Uh, mentioned Stony Brook and LSU rotating that with uh, Northern Illinois. Georgia getting a series with Northern Kentucky. South Carolina with Belmont. Tennessee hosts Albany. Ole Miss hosts High Point trying to get back. Same with Mississippi State and Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern has a losing record right now, but they're traditionally normal, pretty good Sunbelt team. So look out if you're Mississippi State. Must win series. Need to have all three, honestly, if you're old Miss Mississippi State. You'd be disappointed if you didn't. Bama facing a Valparaiso team they should be able to handle. Gonzaga heading to Vanderbilt. That'll be an interesting series. An NCAA tournament team has hosted a regional Gonzaga. That'll be interesting. What's Vanderbilt's lineup doing? Auburn heading down to Jacksonville. They'll be facing Iowa uh, in their first game. Also, as well, they'll get matchups against Wichita State and number 14, Virginia Well. That'll be a good matchup. It'll be a good little tournament this week or a round-robin hosted. I think you can watch that at D1 Baseball. And then Columbia at Florida. Florida's only played three games. Remember, their St. John series got washed. A lot of rain in Florida last week. They took open at 0-1. They got two wins against Jacksonville in the midweek. One of the better Ivy League schools there in Columbia. A&M hosting a series against Wagner. Arkansas. Taking the show to Globe Life Stadium, another SEC team in Globe Life for the College Baseball Classic, I think it is. So they'll open up against number seven, the ranked Oregon State tomorrow. And they'll play Oklahoma State and Michigan 
all at the Ranger Stadium in Dallas in the College Baseball Classic. So that's where Arkansas is going to be. The Missouri keeps up with the track, so they'll play um, – who they play tonight? They got – just slipped my head. Yeah, Bakersfield, and they go back and forth similar to LSU. So they'll play San Diego State tomorrow, and then they'll play UC San Diego. They've been out on the West Coast. They've been out playing these California teams to open it up. But really, just where to go over, it's too early to do a baseball power rankings, guys. We play. I see some people doing it. I don't really like to do it. I want to get more of a feel. All schedules aren't created equally in baseball right now. I mean, we got the Arkansas and Tennessees of the world going to Globe Life and playing um, Oregon State, Texas. Uh, maybe no, not Texas. Uh, B- Baylor, Oklahoma is what Tennessee did last week. Arkansas is again playing Oregon State, Oklahoma State. Those teams are challenging schedules. Uh, wanted to bring that up. You got Kentucky going to play in the Round Rock Classic. Um, you got Auburn going to play in I in Jacksonville down in Florida. It'll be a turn against Iowa, Wichita State, and Virginia. That that'll be fun to watch as well. Missouri's still on the West Coast. I mentioned Arkansas, so it'll be a fun weekend. And we got some games like Valpo. You expect teams like Alabama to get three. Uh, teams like Florida to get three against Columbia, South Carolina against Belmont, Georgia against Northern Kentucky. But again, I think this next week I'm going to do my first power rankings. Have two weeks of play. Obviously, that's going to change. We have people tearing their t- UCLs, having Tommy John surgery, all these starters every week. Conversation for another day. But again, just wanted to talk a little, cover a little SEC baseball until we get in the midst of it. We're getting. I love these opening week, these opening tournaments, though. I really do. I think that's fun to get out there some non-conference play. Next week, you got the Frisco Classic. Alabama will be there playing teams like um, Indiana. Who else is in that? Indiana. Let's go to Bama's schedule. I think Indiana's in it. Maybe Texas Tech. Who do they play? All right, Indiana, Arizona, and Dallas Baptist will be in Frisco next week. Before we get into some conference play coming up, which will be whew, briefly, that'll be about. That'll be the same weekend. Uh, opening weekend, and we get the NCAA tournament announcement. It'll be a selection Sunday. So college baseball firing up. We're in the middle of a big SEC slate across the board. I mean, we really are. It's phenomenal. But just wanted to cover everything. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, go like, subscribe, the SEC Unfiltered platform, Mock 10 Sports. We do this show every Monday and Thursday, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. We talked one truth for all 16 SEC teams heading into the spring. We reviewed the SEC basketball week that was. We went around the SEC, talked about Eli Gold retiring, Chris Stewart replacing him. Both things can be true at once. Respect the legend leaving. It's Chris Stewart's turn. Johnny Manziel claiming his dad was shopping around for $3 million. Sound like Kevin Sumlin laughed him out of the building. Love to hear Kevin Sumlin's side of that. Um, we talked the 5 plus 7 format that the CFP announced. That was going to be the style there. We kind of sit since that was coming. We talked to that. We previewed the SEC basketball uh, schedule previewed the SEC weekend slate to have some big matchups coming up. South Carolina at Ole Miss will be a big one. Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama could put a little bit more cushion in their lead right now, their one-game lead over Tennessee right now. Then we talked about, reviewed the week that was in the SEC baseball briefly. What's wrong with Ole Miss, Mississippi State? Both need sweeps against Mississippi State, hosting Georgia Southern, Ole Miss, um, hosting – who did we say that? Who did we say the Rebs were hosting there? I should know that. High point. They got to get those. Both teams got to get those. And then we finish it up previewing the weekend at that was. But again, I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock 10 Sports. You have a fantastic evening. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.